This is Honest Math Chat, and I'm Mona Eel of Mona Math. I'm a former math avoider turned math teacher cheerleader, and I'm going to get real honest with you about math classroom culture, engagement, math discussions, and all the student-centered instructional practices to help you empower your students to love and understand math deeply. So every Monday on Honest Math Chat, we're going to work together to make our classrooms places where students see themselves as mathematicians. But let's not wait. If you're ready to engage every learner and get them pumped about math, you've got to use math discussions. I welcome you to download the guide to engaging math discussions right now. Go to monamath.com slash discussions. You'll get all my best tips on how to guide on the side while getting every child meaningfully engaged in discussing their math thinking. Welcome to episode 97, the one where the host has a sore throat. So my voice sounds a little weird, but today's episode is so good, I had to record it for you. In my first three years of teaching, I taught first and second grade multi-age. We integrated everything. We utilized small groups, and I zoned in on grouping kids to meet their needs. I differentiated a lot, except for math. For math, we switched rooms, and my second graders walked down the hall, and the first graders from the other classroom came to my room. So I taught 25 first graders math, and it was terrible. I had no idea what I was doing, and I was just trying to get them all to fill out the workbooks and count the things, and I hated teaching math. There were so many behavior problems. Kids rolling on the carpet, having fits, peeing their pants, asking to go get water or go to the bathroom just so that they could get out of the classroom. There was yelling out, refusing to do work. No one was having fun in first grade math myself included, and they were barely learning. What I know now, I do almost everything differently, which spurred my idea for this episode. So if I could talk to my 24-year-old self and give her some advice while teaching first grade, this is what it would be. I have six ways to love teaching math, even if you have never liked math in your entire life because that was totally me. Which has me thinking, if you have people in your school that are like me, share this episode with them. Say something like, hey, I know math isn't your thing like it is mine, but my favorite podcaster, Mona, just did an episode all about how she hated teaching math. And she gives six ideas to make it more fun for the teacher and the kids. I'll text you the link. You should listen to it. That would mean the world to me. To reach some teachers that are just like I was, to help them feel productive and joyful during that time of the day, instead of just trying to get through math as quickly as possible. I mean, I don't know, that's so relatable. I just remember that feeling of like, let's just hurry up and get it over with. I'm so passionate about helping those teachers. So if you know one, send this episode to them. All right, let's get to the six ways to love teaching math, even if you don't love math. And let me just say, if you do love math, stick around because these six tips are going to be great for you too. Number one, link your passions in teaching to math class. Because as elementary teachers, we can't be passionate about every single thing we teach. If we give our everything 
to every subject, we burn out quickly. So that's not what this episode is about. Instead, it is about taking what you already do and are already successful with and apply it to math. So what do you love about teaching? What parts of your day are your favorite with your students? For me, it's always all about getting to know my students. I lived for that first circle up in the morning. In fact, I just love to circle up with students, to get eyes on everyone and to chat. Morning meeting is my favorite time of day. We always do a check-in, which includes like sharing how we're doing, saying good morning, and then the class saying good morning back to the person. We go all the way around the circle and everyone speaks before we move on with our day. Everyone's greeted. It's just, it's such a good feeling. And then we usually have a sharing time to get to know each other a little bit better. And then we play a game. And usually that game was tied to our character goal of the week. So if we're working on the value of new friendships, we do a game that helped us maybe mingle around. And maybe if we were working on integrity, we do a game that required you to be honest. I think my favorite part of morning meeting is the end, the debrief which shouldn't surprise you because I love all debriefs. But anyway, we talk about why all of this mattered, how it related to what was currently going on in our class, our school, and our world. We'd give context to our games and our greetings, and we'd talk about how these skills could make a difference in our school, in our class, and in our world. So that feeling is what brought me joy in the classroom. So I started to take it with me to every subject, even math. How could I start getting my students to feel like they knew each other and could sit down together and chat and talk about big problems in the world and how the little steps that we were taking each day could tackle those big things? Maybe your passion is read-alouds or group work or watching students light up about a story and make connections or seeing how they navigate working together and getting fresh ideas from each other. Maybe you love to incorporate service learning or writing projects that you can share outside of your classroom. Honestly, take a second to think about what you do best in your classroom. What makes an impression on your students? What do they remember you for? And then let's do more of that in math class. Number two, the freedom to get creative. I know you have a curriculum and you have math resources that were written for kids all over the country and world. And I want to give you that reframe a little bit on your curriculum. That curriculum was not written for your students. That curriculum was written for every student. And that's where you come in. Because you know your students. You are the expert in your classroom. You know your students' strengths, interests, area of needs for support, You know what they need for a challenge or a scaffold. You know their families, their community. You know what they like and don't like. This is your permission slip to get creative. You are creative in every other part of your day. You can be creative in math too. Just because you have a curriculum doesn't mean that you have to follow every single little thing. In fact, when I've talked to curriculum writers in the past, they have said that. They don't write the curriculum so that you follow every single step by step, but instead that you bring your expertise to the curriculum. So be the expert in the room. Integrate problems into your science unit. Bring a read aloud into math and then solve some related problems to the read aloud. Use music. 
Try those engagement techniques that you use to get students excited about learning during writing. Try them in math. You have the freedom to be creative in math. Okay, number three is routines really make a difference. Having a routine for math will simplify your life. It will allow you to focus on what matters. Many times, our curriculum changes the routine, right? Where you have an intuitive routine that you might do for math, but then you open up the teacher guide, you see that it has a routine, and you decide to just follow it. Instead, I say you decide on the routine. Even though your math curriculum routine might change daily, you set a routine that works for you and your students and stick to it. Routines create predictability. They create a safe environment. And that is a place where learning can happen best. So reduce the stress of figuring out what are we doing today in math and just stick to a routine. You can insert the parts of your curriculum lesson into that routine. So here's an example of a routine that you might use for a 50-minute math block. Hopefully you have longer, but what I found is the reality is you have 50 minutes, but you really should ask your admin for more. But anyway, I digress. Here's the routine. Do a warm-up for five to 10 minutes. Launch the tasks for five minutes. Exploration time of those tasks, 10 minutes. Discussion and share, 20 minutes. Then reflect and apply the learning for 10 minutes. Okay, let's go to number four because we got six, all right? Number four, providing time for exploration. This dives into a little bit of that routine we just talked about. Teaching isn't telling. Teaching is about designing experiences for students where they can learn a concept in a way that connects to what they already know. And then they can take it to the next level because we want them to experience math, making those connections to what they already know And then level up just a bit and then a little bit more tomorrow and a little bit more and a little bit more. Because math is a lot like science STEM, right? (laughs) We embrace inquiry in science lessons, but often in math, we do the opposite. We just tell kids what they should know and telling isn't teaching. And then we expect them to be able to do it right, right? We expect them to just do it right then. We tell you, now do it. And even though that's the way we've been teaching math, and we've been taught math for decades, that's not the best way. I know. It's annoying to think that you were taught and then taught to teach in a way that's not the best way. So stick with me here. Teaching students math is best done through a more inquiry-based approach, allowing students to explore the problem first and using what they know to solve or even attempt to solve, and then providing support and explanations to help them solidify new understanding. Let me give you an example. If you teach second grade and the students have a problem like this, there are 14 beads on the table. Miss Swift brings 98 more beads to the table to make bracelets. How many beads are on the table now? This is just a simple joining problem. With the start, we have some, more are added. How many do we have now? So students should be able to understand that context after you launch it with them. And then we let them explore because they have strategies from kindergarten and first grade and from their home life, from being humans for seven years. So we put out manipulatives and pencils and paper and we see what they will do. And some will start to draw ones, right? They draw 14 and then they draw 98 and some will group them into tens and ones. 
Draw one ten and four ones to represent 14. Draw nine tens and eight ones to represent 98. And some will start with 98 on their hundreds chart and they'll put their finger on it. And then they'll count up by ones 14 times. Others might know that you can add the tens and add the ones. And that might all be happening during exploration time. And then after the students have had that time to look and think and solve and use what they know, then we bring them all together, circle up, right, to share their ideas and share how they solved. And this gives us something to talk about in the discussion or the debrief. This flips what you've been doing, right? It flips it a little bit on its head. Instead of showing them what to do first, I want you to let them explore first and then formalize that exploration after with an explanation. Think about science and bring those practices from science into math. All right, number five is get students talking. So in order to do what I just described, you'll need to have students that will talk in math class. Students will need to know how to explain their thinking. And you will need to start talking less in math. I don't know about you, but I love talking. So this one was hard for me at first because I love to do the talking. But I needed my students to start doing the talking. So that meant I had to stop talking. But seriously, one of my favorite things to do is to facilitate a discussion, to listen closely to students, to see what they think, and ask questions to get them to explain their thinking. Asking the right questions that really get students excited is my favorite. It's my teacher fuel, more than coffee. (laughs) It fills me up to see kids getting excited to share because I'm not filling the space with my explanations. But instead, I'm turning the floor over to them to explain the things. All right, number six is let's get real world experiences in math class. Now, in order to really love math, let's take math out of math. Let's look outward. We make art about the books we read to inspire others to read, right? We create posters in science to help solve an environmental problem by inspiring others to change their habits. We write to solve problems and get others to listen. We do work in school to help our students develop the skills they'll need to change the world, right? So I want my students to be able to do well on the standardized tests, of course. And I want them to know the standards. But I also want my students to go into the world with skills to think creatively to problem solve, to have agency and passion, to make a difference, and to shape the world into what they want it to be. So let's do more than make the problems include our students' names and our school mascot and our students' interests. Let's relate it to what they're reading about in ELA. Or let's relate the math problems to the opinion writing that they're doing. Maybe there's a local or a school issue that your students have been talking about. Maybe it came up at morning meeting. While your students are learning to add, subtract, multiply, and divide, they're also learning to problem solve. And problem solving skills are applicable everywhere. That being said, don't overlook the quote real world problems that kids face, like birthday party planning, budgeting their holiday lists that they're making for their families, or helping their grandma at the grocery store. The more you know your students and their lives, 
their passions, their questions, their curiosities, the better you will know and be able to sprinkle in real world scenarios into the math problems. So we talked about the six ways that you can start loving teaching math, bringing your teaching joys into math, getting creative, establishing a predictable routine, letting your students explore, getting them talking and making it real to the students. I'd love to know which of these stands out to you most. Like which one is inspiring you to think about math class a little bit differently? I went ahead and put a workbook together that has all of these ideas and examples typed out for you. Plus there's an SEL bonus. So head over to monamath.com love to download it. But mostly reach out and tell me the one thing that you're going to do after listening to this podcast. Maybe it's send it to your elementary teacher friend who feels like how I felt, that math was just something to get through, nothing to love. Maybe this podcast episode can inspire them. Or maybe you're going to start bringing some of your personal teaching magic into your math lesson. Whatever it is, I'd love to know. You can review the podcast on Apple Podcast and tell me what you're inspired to do because of this episode. Or you can DM me on Instagram at HelloMonaMath. Well, that was your dose of Honest Math Chat for today, friend. Thanks so much for listening. It would mean so much to me if you subscribed, shared this podcast with your friend, or leave a comment. If you have not downloaded my free guide that I made in response to the questions you have all about engaging your students in math discussions, go grab it, monamath.com slash discussions. And if you have other questions that I haven't answered, shoot me a DM on Instagram at hellomonamath. I can't wait to chat more with you next week. Remember, we're here every Monday. I'm always listening on my way to work. When do you listen? See you soon, friends.